Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for the ability to be here. Thank you for this conference and um, the faithfulness of the um, those who put it on for Will and this team. Um, just pray that you would move during this time. Uh, may the words that I say be profitable. Um, we know that if you do not build the house, the labor uh, labor in vain. And so we ask God, would you establish the work of our hands? Um, would you, Holy Spirit, would you speak through me? Um, and may this be a time where uh, the benefit of it is for your name and your glory among the nations. So we love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. So I'm curious. Uh, well, just so you know, this time it is uh, somewhat interactive. So as I will ask questions, I am not afraid of silence. But for the sake of all of us, if people would answer, that would be wonderful. Um, so if they won't be difficult, but there will be some sort of a conversation. Um, and then the last about 15, 20 minutes will be questions. Um, so if you have questions along the way, please write them down. There will be time for that. Um, I'll also be um, at – I. you'll hear more about it, but we uh, – the work that I do is a um, ministry, essentially, of Pioneers, um, so Pioneers USA, and so I am at the Pioneers booth, and I'm happy to uh, talk to anyone that would want to talk more, so just as a disclaimer there. Um, but did you know, did you know that the world is changing faster right now than ever before in history? Um, I'm sure that if you work with uh, high schoolers or middle schoolers, you will feel this. I have uh, high school girls that come to my house every Wednesday, and I have never felt so old. It's like I'm just, I feel so irrelevant. (laughs) The world is changing very quickly. Um, Did you know that in the next two years, the world will change more than it has in the last 25? Let me say that again. In the next two years, the world will change more than it has in the last 25. Um, And right now, where you stand today is the slowest rate of change that you will experience in your lifetime. Right now, today, the rate of change is the slowest that it will be in your lifetime. The world is changing. People are changing. The people we serve are changing. Um, the church is changing. The Everything is changing very quickly. Uh, and the way that we used to do things, right, our, our mindset of, it's okay, we can react, we can do this, we can adapt as needed. It doesn't work anymore, and, and it's not going to work anymore. Um, and so we have to change the way that we think about things. We have to change the way that we approach our challenges, um, and we have to change the way that we do the work that we do. Uh, and so that is what we are going to talk about today. We are going to talk about um, innovation. We are going to talk about what it means of process, um, a way to do innovation, Um, And then some of the barriers that get in our way. Okay, so that's kind of the three things that we'll be covering today. Um, But first, let me introduce myself. Uh, So my name is Mary Bolander. I have um, worked uh, for Pioneers for almost five years. Um, I am actually, originally I'm a nurse. I said, first and foremost, I'm a nurse. Uh, It doesn't always feel like it, the story of how I am now what I'm doing. It's kind of one of those moments where you just say, only God can do things like that. Like, oh, it just just doesn't really make sense. Um, But I actually went to nursing school with the hope of going overseas. That was my plan, to go long term. Uh, Semester before I graduated, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And so, as I'm sure majority of you know, that is, it's not, uh, I'm not healthy enough to live overseas. Um, and so because of that, I was searching, trying to figure out what might I do next, um, what is 
uh, yeah, where should I go? I didn't really want to work in the U.S. healthcare system, just that was personal. Um, and so I heard about mobilization, and I realized that I could send people in my place. That's what I like to say. I, I sent people. So I wasn't able to go, so I cast vision and sent people to go. Um, and I did that for almost four years and really loved it. Um, a couple years ago, I was um, looking to join a team working in the U.S., I was really excited about it, working with Somalis here. Um, and two weeks before I was supposed to join the team, they uh, called and said that they were moving to a new city, and it just wasn't a good fit for me to join them. And so twice, I've tried to go to the field. Twice, God said no. <laughs> and, it's, uh, and I just say, okay. Um, and so I decided to, uh, I just went through a time of grieving and just figuring out what's next. Um, the Lord, I felt him calling me back to Orlando, which is where Pioneers is based. Um, and then a couple months after that, um, we started taking this idea of innovation more seriously. I started getting really interested in it, and the rest is history. Here we are. Uh, and so um, to give a little bit more context to uh, kind of the innovation side of what I'm doing, um, we at Pioneers have always had – so Pioneers, for context, is a mission-sending agency – partner with a local church to send missionaries, um, specifically to do church planting among the unreached. Um, And so we have always had innovation as a core value, but up until a couple years ago, uh, we would always say innovation was the fact that we would let teams be creative on the field, (laughs) or we were fine if they wanted to try new things, Uh, but we did not have a process or a language for innovation at all. Uh, and so about two years ago, my now boss started looking around in the world, the business world, others in the community, and saying, what are other people, what are other businesses doing for, um, for innovation? Uh, so many times in the missions world, we just ask each other, uh, and that only gets us so far. <laughs> so what we try, have tried to do is say, what are other people doing, and how can we import that back into what we do? Um, and so we actually started working with a local innovation lab at Advent Health, um, it's a fairly large um, healthcare system in Florida, and they came and trained a group of us for uh, for one year on innovation, on design thinking, on thinking differently, on creativity. The lady who taught us has a PhD in creativity. Who knew? That's a real thing. Um, she's genius, <laughs> and uh, and so and then also myself and my coworkers, we've gotten some more training. I've done um, some training with MIT, my boss with MIT and Stanford, uh, because we want to be excellent in what we do, uh, and. Um, in that, uh, we say all the time, we our vision um, of our lab, we call ourselves the SEEDS Global Innovation Lab, our vision is to equip the global missions community for the emerging world. So we know that the world is changing, um, and innovation is not a new thing outside of the missions community, but inside the missions community, it's kind of new. It's different. We're feeling it out. We're trying to figure out how does it work. Um, and so we see ourselves as a training lab, an equipping lab, um, in order to do that. Uh, So we'll talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes, but that's just a little bit of context um, for you all as to who I am and why you might possibly want to spend an hour with me. So thank you for doing that. Um, Awesome. Okay, so uh, before we start, I've said the word a few times, but I'm curious, this is where you all have to participate, I'm curious, when when I say the word innovation, what comes to mind? What is the definition of innovation you have? Like, what's the definition? What do you think of when I say innovation? Creativity, definitely. Flexibility. Flexibility. I heard another one. New ways, of doing New ways of doing things, definitely. Yeah. Forward thinking. Forward thinking. 
Yeah, figuring things out when you don't have everything you need. Yes. You sound like someone who has lived in somewhere that's difficult. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> what else? Are there any other? I heard one over here. Radical. Radical. Yeah, definitely. So when it comes to innovation, as you can tell, everyone has different definitions, right? There are, de- there are different definitions, different ways of doing it, different thoughts around it. Um, so the one that we use, the definition that we use inside of the lab, um, it comes out of an organization called IDEO, I-D-E-O, talk more about them, but um, is, is this definition, the ability to generate and execute new ideas. The reason that we have those two pieces together is ideas are only as good as you can do something with them. <laughs> and so you have to be able to execute on those ideas. Um, so this is the definition that we use, the ability to, in, to generate and then execute new ideas. Okay, so just that's a little just definition there. We're all hopefully kind of on the same page. Okay, so every time that I lead anything when it comes to um, the work that I do, we, do, we uh, talk through what we call the secret sauce. Um, so as many of you, if you're anything like me, uh, if you, the, one of the main reasons that you go to Chick-fil-A is because of Chick-fil-A sauce. Yes, thank you. It is not the same, right? You go into Chick-fil-A, and then they forget to give you the Chick-fil-A sauce. It's worth the turning around. Like, it's just not the same. And the sauce makes it, right? The sauce makes the food that it is. And if we had the time, if I was to ask you, what is a sauce? That for your culture, for your family, for a special meal that you make, what is the sauce that makes it? Actually, is there one? Just throw out, do you have a sauce that, like, makes your favorite meal? Anyone? Do you say it? You can just say it. Purple basil. Purple basil. I love that. Anyone else? What's another sauce that just, like, makes the meal? Okay. I, I, yes, Hidden Valley Ranch. You are not wrong. <laughs> Anyone else? Raspberry sauce. I love that. Okay. I'm so curious about what you eat that on. Let's talk later. (laughs) So for us, our secret sauce has three ingredients. And we say that these ingredients are important when it comes to innovation, but they're also important when it comes to anything that you might do in collaboration with others. Um, So I encourage, we actually, almost all of our teams have gone through this, and many of them use this when they start team meetings. They say, let's talk through the secret sauces, figure it out, because it just sets the space. It sets accountability among the group. So the first is to embrace your inner creativity. So we know that we are made in the image of the most creative God, right? If we look out the window, just, I mean, that window is beautiful to look out. There's all these beautiful fall trees, right? There's leaves of different colors. And then if we look at each other, right, because we are made in the image of God, And he is a creative God, and therefore, when we embrace our inner creativity, each uniquely, we are reflecting different parts of who God is. And that's beautiful. We need that. We need each other in that. And so we encourage you, you need to embrace your inner creativity. The second one is to be curious. Uh, To be curious has two components to it. The first is to make precise observations. And the second is to ask penetrating questions. So it's important that we not just um, ask questions about everything that we see. It's helpful sometimes. <laughs> but that we, are, we don't take what we see for face value. Right? That we ask penetrating questions and we make precise observations. The final one is to suspend negative judgment. This one is so important. 
It is amazing. After doing this job for a while and p- trying to practice the, uh, the, the things that I teach other people, <laughs> this one can be really difficult. Uh, there's two pieces to it. One is to suspend negative judgment of each other. Uh, I'm sure all of us, if we took the time, could think of a time that you said something and someone instantly shut you down, right? So when they were like, that's not going to work, that's a dumb idea, or they didn't say it, but they just gave you that look like, you're the biggest idiot I've ever seen, right? Like, they just, we've all been there. And when that happens, you don't want to do anything else. You're done. Your contribution is over. Um, but we need each other. In innovation, we have to have each other. We need the diversity of our thoughts and our abilities um, and our different creativities. So we need to suspend negative judgment of each other, let ideas breathe, right? Let thoughts breathe. Um, and, but maybe more importantly, we need to suspend negative judgment of ourselves. This one is so hard. I'm sure that there have been times that you have thought, that's a dumb question. They've probably thought of that. I shouldn't make that observation. Of course they've thought through that. And it's just not always true. (laughs) And so we need your observations. We need your questions. We need your point of view. It matters. You have no idea how your point of view might inspire someone else. So we need to suspend negative judgment of ourselves and others. Okay, so what we do is we always check in. So we check into the secret sauce. So what I'm going to ask you is right now, pick one of these that you will check in and champion for this time together. And I would encourage you for this whole conference. Take one. Keep it in your pocket. Practice it throughout the whole conference. But for sure, this time. So pick one. And then at your tables, you just simply say your name, which one of these you are going to champion, And then say, I'm checking in. And we do that because we want us all to be present here. Being present, literally making yourself say, I'm checking in. There's something that happens in your brain that says, I'm here. And then you now can hold each other accountable to this. Right now you have a language that you can use with each other. So pick one. If you don't know the people, this is a great opportunity to meet them. So so I will go first. My name is Mary. And today I am going to embrace my inner creativity. I am checking in. So go at your table, say it, and then after just a minute or two, uh, look back up here and we'll get, we'll continue on. So. Hopefully we have a lot of checked in people now. We are, we're curious and creative and, and kind. <laughs> Is that the antidote to judgment? Kindness. Uh, okay. So check in. We are checked in. Um, so the way, uh, so innovation, as we said, right, it's this idea of, uh, of coming up with new ideas, of generating new ideas, and then executing on them, right? So it's kind of these two components. Um, but there are many ways in which to do innovation. Uh, so there are many processes. There's many, um, there's many different, like, skills or tools or resources in order to do innovation. Uh, the one that we have chosen at Seeds that we teach um, is called design thinking. Um, and the reason that we have that we have chosen design thinking is because 
any problem that revolves around humans, any so it's a human-centered problem, um, but any problem that has to do with humans, you can solve using design thinking. And at Pioneers in Seeds, 99% of our problems have to do with humans. And so it makes sense that we would use a process called that has uh, that you can solve any problem that has to do with humans. Um, so design thinking, it's a simple five-step process. Um, again, this is not a new process by any means. Um, this has been around for many, many, many years, uh, but it's fairly new within our, within our community, um, within the missions community. And so it's a, it's a low barrier, easy to understand process. Uh, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk you through, I'll give you some sound bites for each of the, the steps, um, and then I'm going to tell you a story of a group that used design thinking um, to solve a challenge, okay? That's what we're going to do next. So design thinking, like I said, it's five stages, it's five steps. Um, you can use them linearly, so you can go step one, two, three, four, five. You can start in the middle and go up. That's why the arrows are, they mean something. They look a little chaotic, but they mean something. Um, so you, you can, you don't have to go in order, um, but many times going in order is the most helpful way to do it. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk you through each of the five stages. Um, so usually what happens at the very beginning is you have a challenge, right? So you have a problem that you're facing that you can't figure out how to solve. Um, this can be anything from, I can't fit my car into my garage, <laughs> to how do we, uh, how do we make a, uh, how do we keep people engaged in um, our online platform that we have, right? Or how do we um, make new uh, material that is really helpful for people that they want to engage with? How do we help, blah, blah, it goes on and on and on. You have a challenge, right? But the interesting thing about that challenge is that's what we think the challenge is. Right? From our perspective, from our point of view, we think the challenge is blank. Um, a pro tip, many times we, uh, when we think about our challenges, we use the words, how might we, at the beginning of the challenge in order to create a statement that is inspiring to help us move forward. So an example of this would be, you can't fit your car in the garage, right? I can't fit my car in the garage. So if someone tells me, tells me that, I'm like, okay, that's hard, that's annoying. But if they said, how might we fit my car in my garage? Now I'm like, oh, yeah, how might you, right? It changes it. It makes it into an inspiring, uh, an inspiring question. And so how might we is a helpful, just a little tip. How might we is helpful in thinking through our challenges? Um, so you have a challenge. You think you know what the challenge is. But every single challenge has someone that is on the other end of that challenge, right? So we call them. Sometimes you might hear that word end user. Sometimes in the missions world, they really don't like when we use that word, which is fine. It feels very flat and businessy. So we like to say the person that you're serving, right? The person that is on the other end of the problem that you need, that you're designing for. Um, so every challenge has someone on the other end. Um, we said that you're, that you would be designing a solution for. Um, so that person, you need to learn who they are. Why they do what they do, right? You need to understand their values and their beliefs. Um, you need more than just data about that person in order to design a solution for them. And that is where empathy comes in. So empathy, when you hear that word, what are some things that come to mind? It's Compassion, yes. I was going to say, it's not a hard question. Empathy, we all, hopefully, in the medical community, this is a word we are fairly familiar with. Yeah, to feel with someone, definitely. 
to see through another's eyes. I love that. That's very similar to how we teach this idea of gathering empathy. Um, we say, we want, we say, help me see the world from your perspective. I think the world, I think this is the problem. Help me see the world through your eyes. Um, and so once we have gone and gathered empathy, there's three ways to do it. You do it through your toe. You talk, you observe, and you experience. Okay, so talk, observe, experience is the way to gather empathy. Uh, once you've done that, you've learned. We like to say you then take all of those insights and you put on your end user glasses. Right? So you put on the glasses of everything that you learned, and then you look back at the challenge. And so the challenge was, right? I, well, in that case, I can't put my car in the garage. Whatever the challenge is, you put back on what you've learned, the insights that you've learned, and you reframe the challenge. You say, what is the real challenge? Not what I thought it was, but what's the real challenge? Again, I'm going to tell you a story in just a minute where this will make a lot more sense. I'm just giving you some sound bites right now. So reframe. What is the real challenge? Then you ideate. You come up with ideas around that challenge. There's two parts to ideation. What are the possibilities? And then will it work? The what are the possibilities part? If you do not let yourself sit in that without will it work, you will not get anywhere. (laughs) If every single time someone throws out an idea and you have your will it work brain on, right, and every time you say, is it going to work? It's not going to work. It's not going to work. You're not going to get anywhere. So we encourage people to take off that hat and let's sit in possibilities for a while. And then we'll sort them and we'll say, we'll kind of bring it back in and we'll ask if it works. But most of the time, that's the point of innovation, is that it doesn't work yet. And so we're trying to figure out how can we make this work. That's the really fun part. So next, then, you take an idea that is, uh, like, an idea that you have, uh, that seems to work, that might be a solution, and you make what we call a prototype. So that is literally a tangible representation of your idea. Uh, there, we, we want it to be three things. We want it to be rough, we want it to be rapid, and we want it to be right. So we want it to be rough. We do not want you to spend six months creating it, millions of dollars, because it's going to change. So if you make it too pretty, you don't want it to change. <laughs> and then and then the second part, we want it to be uh, rapid. So rough, we want it to not be very pretty. Rapid, we want you to make it quickly. And then right, we want it to be accurate to the empathy. We want it to actually answer the real challenge. What do they need? Um, and then finally, test. This is kind of deceiving. It should be test, 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 test. So what you're doing is you do what we call iterative testing. So you're going back to your end user and saying, is it working? Is it working? Is it working? We say you you prototype as if it's right, and you test as if it's wrong. You You want to find out what is wrong with this. If you implement your first prototype, you, you're wrong. You're doing it wrong. It is not right. <laughs> you need to test it with your end user. You need to have a feedback loop and make sure that you're testing and testing and testing until um, you have something that actually is solving their challenge. Okay? So this is the design thinking process. Quick overview. Um, but I'm going to tell you a story now about a group that did this, that used this process in a real-life scenario. Um, and it was really powerful what came out of it. Um, so... As some of you might know, each year 20 million premature and low birth weight babies are born. Um, in developing countries, mortality for these infants is particularly high because incubators are extremely rare. Uh, most hospitals and clinics in developing countries don't have enough incubators to meet the tremendous need. And new incubators are really expensive. And then ones that are donated don't come with the right material to know how to use them. So, 
This group, so this was actually a group from Nepal, and they brought in some students from the Stanford D School, so the design school. They brought in some students to help solve this challenge. So their challenge might statement might have been something like, how might we design an inexpensive incubator for premature babies? You hear the how might we? How might we design an inexpensive, hard to say, incubator for premature babies? So they started discovering, right? So they said, who's our end user? Mothers, babies, um, we have the healthcare workers, maybe the workers at the hospital. There's lots of people that are connected to this challenge that we would design for. But ultimately, who's the one that's going to be in it? The babies. So we want to learn from them too. Um, so they went and gathered empathy. So they went to some large hospitals in Kathmandu because they said, where is the challenge? It's at the hospitals with the incubators. So they spent some time, they learned, right, they talked, they observed, they experienced, they watched the workers, they watched the mothers, they watched the babies, and they quickly realized that majority of the patients, that the majority of the premature babies, right, are born in rural areas and they don't ever make it to the hospital. So them just gathering empathy at the hospital was not enough. (laughs) So they said, we need to go into the rural areas, and we need to see where they live, and we need to learn how to, we need to learn and see what can we find here. Um, And so there, they quickly found, they realized two things. um, That they realized that no matter how good their incubator might be, it cannot work in the hospital setting. And so because... The babies aren't getting there anyway. So we need to have something that works in a rural environment. So they went in, right? They went into the challenge saying, we know what the challenge is. We need an an expensive incubator. After they learned, right, they discovered, they gathered empathy, they quickly learned that the challenge was actually, we need something that will survive in a rural setting, in a rural environment. That's a very different challenge than their first one. Um, So now... Their reframe is, how might we create a transportable incubator that functions in a rural environment? With, these were their constraints, without electricity, it had to be transportable, it had to be intuitive, easy to use, sanitizable, culturally appropriate, and inexpensive. Now, one of the phrases we say a lot is, creativity loves constraints. (laughs) And that is seven very large constraints, but that was the constraints that they were working under, so it had to be all of those things. So they ideated. They came up with ideas. One of the ideas was that it would look like a sleeping bag. Um, Another idea was this innovative wax that would be inside of the sleeping bag that would regulate body temperature. Apparently, it didn't exist or it wasn't being used in that way up to that point. So after a long time of ideation, they developed a prototype, right? So now we're at prototype. And remember, it's rough and rapid and right. Uh, So they developed a prototype, and the design of the prototype looked like a sleeping bag. So it would wrap around the premature infant, and a pouch of phase change material kept the baby's body at exactly the right temperature and maintained this temperature for four hours. After four hours, the PCM pouch could be recharged by submerging it into boiling water for a few minutes. So it's rechargeable. How amazing. And the Embrace incubator is small and light, It's easy and inexpensive to transport to rural areas, and it can be sanitized in boiling water. So while you are recharging it, it is also sanitizing it. Um, And it fits well into the kangaroo care model. Um, And finally, an incubator is $20,000, and one of these embrace incubators, these little sleeping bags, costs $25. It's amazing. 
So the group, after they developed this prototype, right, so they spent time in ideation, they developed this prototype, uh, they went out and they tested this. They went out into the villages and tested it with mothers. They tested it with healthcare workers in the villages. So this could be used in a clinical setting, but then also in the community setting. Um, and they launched their first version of this product in India. But the whole time, right, they were testing, 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 testing. <laughs> so they were always saying, is this working? How can we make this better? Um, and so now... Um, they have, their product has helped over 200,000 babies in 20 countries. It's amazing. All because they use this process in order to look at their challenges differently, to go through a, a process that allowed them to stay organized, to think through where are we at, and then ultimately allowed them to come up with a solution of the Embrace Incubator. So that sounds really good, right? It's like, man, why are we not doing this? Like, why is this not something that is a part of our daily, everything that we do, right? It's because there's some barriers to doing this. <laughs> there's some human barriers, um, and there, but then there's also there's organizational barriers and other things. Um, this is a new way to do things. New can be hard sometimes. It's, it's a different way to look at our challenges. Um, so today, I wanted to talk through, we're going to think through, um, Three of our, like, human barriers to doing innovation, to thinking through innovation. The really interesting thing is these are all, like, life things as well. <laughs> it's pretty amazing how innovation and life, like, there's quite a uh, parallel to them. As we've studied this a lot, um, we have developed – I don't have time to go into it a lot here. I would love to have conversations about it. Um, but we talk a lot about how um, the way of Jesus is – like, sets us up so perfectly to be innovative. Like, we, as followers of Jesus, should be the most innovative, creative people on the planet. We should be the ones that are putting out the big new things, um, because this, it just, the way of Jesus just sets our hearts and postures up so well for it. Um, so the first, the, the biggest, kind of, the biggest barrier we say, oh, actually, sorry, Look, there it is. I'm so sorry. I forgot about the slide. <laughs> so this is the Embrace. This is the Embrace incubator. So this is one of the mothers using the incubator in a clinical setting. Um, but it would have been something that she could have done in um, a home setting as well. Man, I was sorry. I wanted to give you longer to look at that. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. So it's literally called Embrace. They have a website. You can find it. Um, it's, it's an amazing product. Um, okay. So the barriers to innovation, we say all the time, we, our human condition is the greatest barrier to innovation. Um, we, uh, the, our ways, our habitual ways of doing things, um, our, my favorite quote is, learning and innovation go hand in hand. The arrogance of success is to believe that what you did yesterday will be sufficient for tomorrow. And I think that the arrogance of success, that, that piece right there is like, man, what we did yesterday will not be sufficient for tomorrow, but we are not willing to humble ourselves in order to understand that. Uh, that's another tangent I could go on for a very long time. Anyway, the first, um, one of the ways that this plays out is uh, in fear. Um, so one of the greatest barriers is fear, fear of ambiguity, fear of the unknown. Um, we say design thinking is a chaotic process. There are moments of chaos and moments of order, moments of chaos and moments of order. Um, and those people who like chaos, it's really hard when we're in the order, and they just like they just like the divergence, right? They just like the the chaos. And then people who love order hate the chaos. <laughs> and so it's it's like you have to trust the process. Um, but we have fear. 
Um, how might, this is a question for you, um, how, if the team that did embrace, right, if the team that was in Nepal that did the process of coming up with embrace, if they had allowed fear to get in the way, what, what would that have looked like? If they had allowed fear, fear of ambiguity, fear of the unknown, fear of losing control, how could that have stopped the process of embrace? Definitely, yeah. Fear of going out into the rural areas. Definitely. Yes. Oh, it's so good. The loss of control of it not being in the clinic setting. Definitely. It's like, can we really develop something that could be in the home? Yeah, totally. It's really good. So... What is an example, if you were to just think for yourself, and and this is not one, if you want to share, I'd be happy to, but I don't want to make you have to do this in front of everyone, but what are some ways, this is always, we say a lifestyle of innovation, we, these, this, this is ourselves, this is our lives, this is our work, Um, but if you were to think about this, what might be, have been a time that you let fear stop you from doing something different? Right, from thinking about something differently, from, from change, um, from, from actually asking ourselves, what's the real problem? What's the real challenge? Um, you don't have to answer that. Just maybe that's a good question to ask yourself. <laughs> when have I let fear get in the way? Another one is assumptions. Oh, assumptions. They are so interesting. Assumptions, quickly, um, they at their core. So assumption is a, a thing that you believe is true without proof. So that's an assumption. A thing that you believe is true without proof. Um, we make assumptions all the time. 80% of the time, maybe 90% of the time, we don't even know that we're doing it. Um, and we have to make assumptions because our brain only has so much energy that it can use. <laughs> and so it has to make assumptions, right? So we have to assume that the chair will hold us when we sit down. We can't prove that the chair is going to hold us every time that we sit down. Um, myself, I assumed coming from Orlando that it would be cold in Louisville. I had proof of, like, the weather app, maybe, but I wasn't sure. And so I brought lots of sweaters because I assumed that it would be cold. Right? So assumptions are neutral. The challenge comes, the problem comes, assumptions get dangerous when we are not, when we do not allow for assumptions to be proven wrong or right. Right? So when the assumption has been proven that it's not true, and we still live in the way that as if it is, right? We just hold it like we can't. We can't let it not be true. Um, so assumptions. What were some assumptions that could have stopped the group uh, that was doing embrace, right? That embrace. So what were what were some assumptions that if they had not challenged their assumptions, right? The antidote to assumptions is curiosity, is asking questions, is learning. Tell me more about that, right? If they had let assumptions, what might have stopped? What might they not have done if they would have let assumptions be a barrier to their innovation? Yeah. Yes, if they had not challenged that, maybe this incubator isn't needed in a clinic setting. Yeah, maybe they, that could have kept them at the hospital, and they never would have, like, gone out into the rural areas to learn from them. Yeah, that's really good. Any other assumptions that could have stopped them? Yeah, go for it. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, interesting. And assumptions that mother a mother couldn't be trusted to do it. No way can she do it on her own. Yeah, that could have 
just stopped a lot. It's really good. Yeah, it's interesting. The third one is ownership. So this idea that we own it, it's mine, right? I was just, my friends and I are reading the whole Bible in 90 days. It is quite a task, let me tell you. It's pretty fun. Um, But I was just in Deuteronomy the other day, and I was reading, and I was challenged uh, when it said, it said, when you are in the land that you do not own, when you are building the houses, or when you live in the houses that you did not build, when you are eating the food that you did not, right? It's like this whole, like, do not forget. Like, remember the Lord when you are in these places that, that you did nothing to get. It was God's kindness. Um, and I was listening, and I was just like, man, this idea of stewardship. Like, we are stewards of everything we own. Everything, everything we have been entrusted with, we are simply stewards of. And so if we hold it, if we hold it like this, we will never be willing to test. Right? We will, we will say, no, this is right. I'm right. I know what is wrong, and I'm going to fix it. Right? And, that's, and so we hold it tightly, and we don't allow for input. We don't allow for change. We don't allow for someone to challenge what we're thinking. Um, and so ownership is a barrier. It's, I think it's one of the biggest barriers to innovation, this idea of it's mine. And don't call my baby ugly. Right? Don't give me feedback that I don't want to hear. <laughs> and so we have to be stewards. We have to hold our hands open and say, this is, this is, I want to make this better. This is a gift from the Lord, and so how can I make this the best that I can? That's why we say we prototype as if it's right, but we test as if it's wrong. Right? We say, help me make this better. Help me steward whatever I've been given. Help me steward it. So how could ownership have been a challenge in that kind of the thought, thinking through back to the story of embrace, how could ownership have stopped, had been a barrier to them? Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. If the people that had, like, helped have them come to design it, if they had put constraints on and said, this is the way it has to be. Um, one of my, my boss's boss, um, when we got started with the lab, he said, Mary, you're going to have to be very discerning in this job. And I was like, why? He said, because you're going to have to learn what is an innovation problem and what is a leader problem. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I had my first challenge that we faced that I quickly realized this is a leader problem. He is, he is saying this is the way that it is, and he was asking us to use innovation to, like, push his agenda. It was, it was pretty, yeah. So that was ownership. He couldn't let go and let what needed to be, be right? This, this idea of the unknown future is the God-known future. God knows it. He knows, and we just have the opportunity to place ourselves, position ourselves in a way that we can hear, that we can respond to how he's leading and what he's doing. So as we think through takeaways, four main takeaways, um, as you think through what is thy first step, right? So we've, I've just shared without design thinking, I've shared about innovation, all this stuff. As you approach a challenge, here are four steps that you can take as you are thinking through your challenge and how am I going to solve it. So one, you have to name it. You have to name your challenge. And I would encourage uh, to use the how might we statement, right? How might we blank, whatever your challenge is. So you have to identify your challenge. If you don't identify it, there's not anything you're working towards designing for. The second is to slow down, to not jump to solutions. We love to fix 
things. <laughs> uh, one of, and we do a quite a long talk on, on empathy and thinking through empathy. And one of the biggest challenges uh, for many, many people, especially I would say leaders just because of the job and the role that they have, um, a challenge is to listen to understand and not listen to speak <laughs> or listening for agreement. That's a huge one, right? Majority of what we do in our lives is listen for agreement. And then if we don't agree, we're thinking about our response to like make sure they know that they're wrong in what they're doing. But empathy is listening just to understand. Help me understand who you are. Help me see the world through your eyes. Very different, very hard to do, but a really good practice. And let me tell you, the way of Jesus is listening to understand, right? And, and I could, I will just say that. I could go much longer, but it's true. It is listening to build bridges. Okay, that's my tangent. Okay, don't jump to solutions. The third is look at yourself first. Uh, we say innovation starts with death. So we need to ask ourselves what needs to die. What needs to die in my mindset? What needs to die maybe in our practices? What needs to die in the way that we're communicating with each other? Uh, what needs to die in order for me to be able to be in this posture and the space to hear from the Lord and to know how he's leading and what he wants for this? Um, and then the fourth one is to acknowledge and challenge your assumptions. If we do not acknowledge our assumptions, uh, we have nothing to challenge. Uh, we have nothing to be curious about. This is a practice I have been practicing for myself. Um, if someone says something to me, not always, I try, not always, but many times I am very, very quick to assume what they mean by it. I'm very quick to say, okay, I know what they're thinking. Okay, this is what I need to say. And I've started practicing just stopping myself from doing that and simply saying, tell me more about that. And seven times out of ten, eight times out of ten, I was wrong. <laughs> My assumption of what they were thinking was wrong. It was different than what they actually were thinking and what they were wanting to communicate. Um, and so we have to acknowledge and then challenge our, question, our assumptions. And the way we do that is through curiosity. And then if we do that, that sets us up perfectly for empathy. Right? So now we are ready. We are in a place where we can go and learn. Learn from those who we are serving. Learn about who they are, what they value. Um, if you are planning on going to the mission field, this should be a part of your training as you get ready to go, right? Your training of what is the culture like? What do they eat? Why do they do what they do? What is their language? Like, you are a child <laughs> for years when you are planning to go to the field. Um, and so in that same way, we want to practice that as we enter into this process of design so that we can design something that they actually need um, and that they want. And a good quote for this is... Um, if Henry Ford had asked the people, had asked his end users what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse, right? And so it's like they had no concept that a car was even an option. They just thought they needed a faster horse. <laughs> and so if we only learn, if we're only learning for agreement and we're not looking for the surprise, we will just make faster horses for people. But the work that we do, the kingdom work that we do and that we are getting ready to do, is far, far too important. There's far too much at stake for us to get in our own way, right? For us to be the problem, for us to be the barrier, um, for us to not enter for the sake of empathy and listening so that we can design well for those we're serving. Um, and so I really, I hope that um, this, just the, the, the quick overview, you got like 
This is the quickest I've ever done it, so congratulations. You got a quick overview, um, but that is, but these are important um, for us and the work that we plan to do. So this is my information. This is our innovation lab seeds. Our website's there. Um, but we have about 15 minutes for questions. Um, so if there were any burning questions that you have, um, please ask them. We have a little bit of time. And then um, I, I, like I said, I am downstairs, I think, like in the 1800 row um, and would love to talk to you guys more. So what questions do you have? I love that. Yeah. So she asked if I if we have ever thought through incorporating this in like a Che model. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, that's something. I mean, so we, like I said, our vision is to equip the global missions community for the emerging world. Um, so we work with mission agencies. We've worked with um, Christian publishers. We have worked with um, big, big for-profit businesses that give to missions um, and, and churches and other groups. And so, yes, we are always thinking about how we might incorporate it. I've not necessarily thought with Che in general, but they're, they're I mean, I'm sure, like, I, there are discipleship overlaps with this. There are lifestyle overlaps. I mean, like, it overlaps in so many ways. So, yes, I think that could easily be done, for sure. It's important. It's really cool. Yeah. This might be a whole other lecture, but how, it's great. Do you, um, how do you create buy-in? Oh, yes. To, like, create a culture of innovation. Yeah. So that is a huge piece of what we are trying to do at Pioneers. Um, is we believe in the collective intelligence of the organization that everyone has ability to con- contribute. Um, so there's a little, there's many different models of innovation labs. So some, they say, you give me your problem, I will go to your end users and solve it, and I'll give you a solution for five million dollars, <laughs> and that is what companies do. And then others, they they might do it for like a million dollars. But what we realized was we want to equip and train people um, so that they can do it themselves, so that they can solve their own challenges. Um, so the biggest thing when we think through creating culture um, is you have to have buy-in from all levels. So if it's only leadership, it, then it's just like pushing down from the top. And depending on the organization, every organization is different, but that doesn't usually work really well. So we like people to have trained in the tools and the resource, like the tools and the language from the top, from the bottom, from the middle, one or two kind of key people that have the intention and they think through how are we going to incorporate this. Um, but there's a, a lot there's so much to that. Um, my, one of my coworkers is a um, he is uh, certified in pro sci like their change management. So literally he explains it as like if you build a new boat but no one gets on the boat, it doesn't matter. And so his he he learn he helps gr- groups get people from the shore to the boat. <laughs> kind of the idea of like making the change. Um, and so it's it's a little more than that. But we would say multiple people trained in like the tools and the language of innovation uh, that are all pushing it from all different levels, and that really helps. But that is a it, it, there's more to it than that. But that's kind of like the core. Yeah. Can I say something for her? Please, yeah, go for it. Um, our principle for our foundation is that God has equipped you and prepared you for His plan to execute for His kingdom to bring Him glory and honor. And once you come, you pull everything right back to that. That's ultimately where the buy 
rebellion starts. You either believe what the gospel says, or you don't. If you don't believe that he prepared you and put you through life experiences and training and skill sets for his ultimate glory and for his foundation, everything he's created, he's prepared each and every one of us for his work. Yeah. And that's how we get buy-in across the board. It's good. So use that and see what response you get. It's good. Yeah, totally. It's awesome. Any other questions? Yeah, 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 totally. Like patents, is that what you said? Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, so that's all part of the um, – so we have a – I kind of just talked to you through, like, the front-end part, but there is a whole, like, testing implementation part and execution. We call it, like, the back-end of innovation that is just as important because, again, as we said in the beginning – Ideas are only as good as you can, like, do something with them, <laughs> that you can execute them. And so depending on what it is, if it's product-based, um, there's a whole, uh, a whole like, strategy you would have towards the patents, the different things that you would need. How do we – what is our testing – like, what is our implementation plan? How do we get that there? What's our business model? There's all of that. It's just on the back end. I just – kind of focus more on the front end. But it is important. You're exactly right. Yeah. And there's times for it. There's, like, specific times that you would incorporate that. Yeah, it's great. I love your thinking there. It's good. Thinking there already. It's awesome. Okay, well, if there's no more questions, um, just finally, uh, resources for you. Um, this, as I said, uh, design thinking is not a new idea. It's not a new uh, – it's, it's been used for many, many, many years. Um, it's just fairly new within our community. Um, and so MIT, um, Harvard Business Review, all of these uh, – uh, Stanford D School, they have so many resources um, at, around d- design thinking. Their magazines that come out, almost every single new, ep- new issue has an article about design thinking in business, design thinking in industry, social innovation. There's so many different ones, so there's a lot to learn from them. Um, IDEO as well, I-D-E-O. Um, they have some really great shorter online classes that you can do. Um, and then our lab has a one-week training. Um, it's actually two weeks, but you have to go through the first week first, um, called Innovation Essentials. Um, it's a training where we take all of the things that we have learned around design thinking, around postures, kind of the getting ourselves to the space. Um, and then the second week is on either change management, so kind of how do you take this, how do you create a culture of innovation um, and or facilitation? How do you facilitate people to do that? Um, so we do that in Orlando, and then this year we're going to do at least two, maybe three globally as well. Um, and so that's something that, that's a resource that you can use. Um, if you are with Pioneers and or thinking about going with Pioneers, um, you have a substantial discount for that class. And so if that is the case, just as if you want to sign up or register, just make sure you identify that so that we can give that to you. Uh, anyway, so this is, uh, I hope that this starts the conversation for you. That's all this is. This is an introduction. Um, this is some language, some tools, a process that you can use. Uh, may this spark questions, thoughts. Um, if you have more, please come find me. Feel free to email me. Um, we are available. Uh, let me just pray us out. Father, thank you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for just this space, um, for knowledge and understanding. I pray as we have these tools, as we think about ourselves, would you give us the courage to, um, to ask ourselves what needs to die? May we get out of our own way um, so that you 
uh, can be known, and you can use us and use the gifts and skills that you've given us. Um, We ask this for your glory, for the sake of your name, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys.